0: on this episode of AV Week, supporting women for International Women's Day, what we can do as an industry to support women in AV. New design services that help you check your specs and check your designs, whether you're a consultant or an in-house integration firm. 8K for live sports in the AV industry. All that and more next on AV Week.
1: The network for the AV industry.
0: What are you listening to? This. This
2: is AV. This, this. This. This is, is AV Nation. Nation.
0: This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 446, recorded Friday, March 6th, 2020. No jerks allowed. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by.
1: Sure. Sound Extraordinary. And by. Peerless AV driving technology through innovation and by atlona the go-to provider for av signal distribution and control in corporate higher education and residential spaces
0: this is av week your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information my name is tim albright i am your host with us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week. First and foremost, the industry icon extraordinaire, the, the elder statesman and, and one of my, my lovely mentors, Mr. Brock McGinnis from Avitas. Welcome, sir. Thank you, Tim. How are you? I am well. If you are not watching the video, uh, Mr. McGinnis is in the throngs of the uh, uh, Canadian wilderness uh, utilizing Zoom's fantastic auto green screen feature. So fantastic all right uh, mr joel carroll also joins us my buddy from atlanta who is working with immersive now welcome sir thank you tim good to be here good to see you absolutely and last but not least a new guy so you two be nice to him dana corey from Avicore. welcome sir thanks tim thanks for having me absolutely uh let's kick this off um first thing we're going to start with is actually 8k and don't throw things at me uh, and, and don't, you know, yell at me or virtually, or you can email me if you want tim at Aviation.tv and tell me I'm crazy. But here's the thing. We, we are getting into the era of 8k as much as, uh, folks will, will, will deny that or say no we're not, or where's the transport. The other common uh, pushback against 8k is where's the content. This story answers that very question. Our friends over at AV Magazine, Samsung and BT Sport achieved the UK's first 8K content uh, creation. It was Arsenal versus Olympicos UEFA European uh, League match uh, for the QLED 8K TVs. Uh, what happened was it was the UK's very first 8K uh, sports was outdoor um, broadcast set up. Uh, Brock, I'm going to start with you on this. We have been following... I'm going to say for six years, and I may be off on that a little bit, but we've been following the Japanese broadcasting companies move right. to 8K uh, yep. ahead of, of the, the, the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. This is the first time I've really seen anybody outside of Japan make a play and, and, and make a good case for 8K, in not just, not just in general, right? Because folks are shooting on it, they're doing uh, recordings um, and, and tapings on it but this was the first uh, live sporting event outside the, the, the uh, Japanese islands that I've seen. Um, somebody really make a good case for this. It, it is, is it something where we have to start taking it, taking notice of, of now as, as integrators and as a,
2: an industry? No. No? Okay. <laughs> good
0: deal. I'm out. <laughs> um,
2: I, think, uh, I think maybe that five or six years ago, we had some of the same conversations about 4K. And uh, and we whinged about the content, uh, the transport, we whinged about the cameras, we whinged about the costs, and that nobody was ever going to buy it. And I can't think that anybody who is listening to this show uh, today doesn't have a 4K TV. Uh, So we're all going to have 8K TVs. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, It's a reason for the industry to spend money. Um, I, you know, we'll all upgrade our switching, we'll upgrade our transport, we'll upgrade our capture and, uh, and it's a fantastic thing. And my my only comment, uh, is it's good. They started with soccer because that, that sport is so slow. They don't have to worry about frame rate stuff.
0: <laughs> well, they could have started with baseball. That's a slower sport, you know, correct
2: or correct or curling. You know, correct, but uh, I don't know about you, Tim. I really enjoy hockey in 4K. I do too. I, I yeah. really do. So, it, you know, of which the, the,
0: the Blues will be, you know, um, doing the uh, Winter Challenge, the Winter classic next year with uh, the the Wild. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tim, I,
3: ahead, I think Dana. you know, if we look at 4K, it's it's in an AK k too. It's about its its ripple effect or significance that affects you know the overall you know industry itself. So. 8K being popular at you know larger events and where you know the you know, these visual places are but as we get to a place like where we operate in the corporate meeting rooms I mean we're still struggling with HD cameras and 4K TVs and and so we know it's it's to Rock's point, it's, it's gonna come, it's just at what pace and and and, and where and before we hit the panning button on replacing all the panels to 8K, it's really more about like when's it gonna hit that particular spot, you know. Yeah. Um, so just another perspective around. It's it's important, but but when is it important?
0: Well, that's a good point, though. When is it important? And uh, Joel will bring you on on that with that with that question. Immersive transports, you know, audio and video wirelessly. Right. Um, you guys are are part of that that transport conversation. When is it important, or is it is it by segment? Is it by you know the, the vertical? Because right now we're talking about sports, right? Right. Um, we're not talking about corporate yet. Dana made a good point. Some of the integrators are still trying to upgrade their folks to, you know, from 720 to, to full HD, let alone 4K.
1: I think it starts to become important. Like in this case, what I see, this is starting in the residential world in reality. So it kind of starts there. We'll see it populate. I mean, I believe you can buy the 8K if you go to, to Samsung and you go to Costco and pick it up. For us, when it starts to become well, you can right. I mean, you walk in and it's splashy and it's cool. Hang on.
0: I'm gonna check that out to see if I, if I can. What you keep talking? Hang on.
1: <laughs> of course, but what's to me, what's unique about it in our world is we are part of transport. I'm in a wireless nature at this point. I don't foresee wireless 8K coming. And I, I saw something talking about 48 gigabits of data uncompressed. I mean, that was pretty impressive. They're able to do that, right? And it's in a controlled environment. Our computers right now and our devices right now have a hard time doing, let's say even 4k wireless, you know, that's starting to come out. It's starting to be there. Even in my home, my experience with trying to do it from my phone to Apple TV, it's not been grand. Right. And I don't have a lot of devices on my network. So I don't know. I think honestly, at the end of the day, when does it become important when the customer comes and says to us, we have this and we want to be able to support it and we want to be able to do it. And that's when I feel in our industry, we're going to start seeing that importance 4k still, is just starting to get adopted, I feel, whether it's with what we're doing at Mersive or a lot of the other manufacturers in general, we're just starting getting true adoption of being able to take advantage of of the pixels.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I have a a question for you guys. Um, you know in the in the world of you know visual collaboration or meeting rooms, you guys know there's a there's a direct correlation between distance and and resolution sitting. Imagine an 8K display in a room, the fonts are like, you know, this small. So now we're back to like enlarging fonts. To what benefit? Where does that trade-off come in? And I'm not an expert on that part of it. but It just feels like when I look at 4K displays, I'm doing 150% on the fonts so I can see them, you know, at eight feet away or 10 feet away. Just just a thought too on resolution to viewing, especially as we look at the greater population. No, I I think that's a good point.
0: Okay, so to that end, and and I did look up, you know, 8K TVs while Joel was talking. Um, The first thing I'm going to point out is right back to what Dana was saying. You can pick up a... 55-inch 8K UHD TV with HDR for $2,500 at a, let's call it a big
2: box store, not Costco. Um, The Costco one. uh, Hang on a second, Tim. You just said 8K and UHD. I'm reading it off the screen. I'm just reading it off the
0: screen. Technically, it's 4320p, which is nowhere near 8K. Okay, so let's, let's start there yes um at least the costco one at least the, the 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 specs seem a little bit more more true um it's an lg 8k and lg doesn't it's not this is a commercial for a costco or lg but for five grand a 75 inch uh again 8k uhd which is yeah whatever um is it yeah so you can get an 8k tv with what they're calling 8k uh at least um for uh, for five at five thousand dollars at the uh, at uh, Costco. Now the resolution for that at least clo- is at least close um, as close as the as the Samsung, which was, this resolution is seven, 7680 by forty three twenty. So it is the eight K version of U UHD, right? So four K UHD versus eight K UHD.
2: Uh, as an integrator, I'll comment on yes. when we started putting. Um, putting 4k TVs in, Uh, you know, no meeting room needs a 4k TV unless people are in the media uh, and, and advertising industry. I I, I don't think there's, there's any question about that, but when the manufacturers, uh, 4k TVs have all of their best features and all of their best technology, and it is a minuscule price difference between the 4k and the 2k uh, sell them in 4K because who doesn't want better, right? Who doesn't want better? And, and certainly some of the large display sizes, the 75 inches, the 80-somethings, the 90-somethings, they actually benefited uh, from the smoothness of the image in, uh, in 4K, even, uh, even with standard business content. So it looked a little bit better. Uh, and the contrast was a little bit better, but nobody is going to need 8k for another three or four years. Cause this is the cycle that we seem to be running on. The Olympics are a huge driver yeah. of, uh, video technology, absolutely enormous because yeah. the whole world watches it. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, this year there may not be any spectators in the stands. So there'll be even more people on TV. Uh, you know watching the tv and and uh, it it's it's great technology continues to advance that's what employs each and every one of us and we like it yeah absolutely if you if if you're not familiar
0: pay attention to some of the advances that happen every four years uh both from a from a broadcast standpoint they really do treat the olympics as 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 a as a as a crown jewel every four years to kind of take some of the, the things that they've, they've been working on from a broadcast standpoint and
2: take them out for a spin and then eventually start implementing them. I yeah. was at a Winter Olympics as a guest of Panasonic years and years and years ago uh, where they were debuting 3D and they had some of their first 3D camera equipment and some of their first uh, uh, 3D rendering. Um, and by the the Summer Olympics, two years following, uh, you know, 3D was uh, was the big gig. Yeah. And we all bought TVs that had 3D in them. Not that we ever used it, but because those were the TVs uh, that offered all of the other latest features that those manufacturers offered. Um, and they were only seventy five bucks more. And I will point out that that even from a a
0: event standpoint, uh, the Beijing Olympics, when they had projection mapping on on the on the field where they had those scrolls unrolling was the first time a lot of people, especially the the vast majority of the the vast audience, um, saw something like that. Right. Um, And I don't know if I'm allowed to say, Uh, let's just say it's a it's a projector manufacturer north of me. How about that? Uh, in another country other than the United States, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that that was a part of that, right? Um, and they have since gone on and they've done some really interesting things as well, uh, including mm-hmm. being a part of, of most of the NHL uh, ice ice projections. So yeah, um,
1: yeah. Right. Brock said a, a comment a minute ago. I'd like to go back to where yeah. we don't need that that resolution and. I see it slightly different. I like the concept of having that resolution, especially when you're in these more collaborative environments now. The more pixels that you have, the more to post, the more pieces of content you can put up there side by side with good quality. I mean, even mm-hmm. I've got a 4K TV that's arm's reach away from me right now, and it looks yeah. great. But now if I start putting you know, 10 different people's pieces of content, which is how a lot of us are now starting to meet, it's gonna get to be more and more difficult and see those on that one display. Just because of the quality of the pixel, it's going to be silly 4K. It's going to be too big to be able to have a, a good quality image. So, yeah. I actually so the di- the
2: crazy. discussion then Joel becomes about yeah. the canvas. Correct. Yeah. Correct.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And then what what can you do with that canvas, and and who gets to you know who gets to draw on it? So I still
3: think that the the eye still is the key factor. I, I get that it's going to be a cleaner picture of the of the Brady Bunch on the screen, if you will, of all the people, <laughs> but but will it will I be able to in, in, you know embrace the value of it because I'm just because the eye is has a limit at a distance so I, right. I you know we always want to have that thing with you know going larger as you go back and getting smaller as you come forward it's just a fine line that I think resolution and, and again I'm, I'm all for it just as Brock said I want to refresh in a couple of years too sure uh, selfish reason yeah. so uh, but it just kind of makes you ponder a little bit but <laughs>
0: All right. Uh, From Actually, from our website, uh, AV Checkpoint is launching a new assistant or assistant system uh, in AV system design. Actually, our buddy, uh, Mike Tomei. Mike is a former technology manager. Uh, Actually, not for nothing, but he used to be a tech manager at at Harvard, which is not exactly his slouch gig. Uh, Also worked for I think a college in in New York. Uh, He went out on his own as a a consultant a number of years ago. And part of that, as uh, he is launching this this AV checkpoint system, and what it is, it's a third party peer review service, uh, giving anybody uh, design AV that's that's designing AV systems kind of a checking, uh, check and recheck. Um, Joel, want to start with you on this? Having somebody that to kind of go over your system, whether that's using utilizing it from a, a tech manager standpoint, which is a lot of where Mike's thinking is, because let's be honest, folks like uh, our buddy Joe Way at, at USC and. Um, mm-hmm. Um, Scott tyner up in uh, Bates college up in maine these they're they're creating their own kind of in-house integration firms they're utilizing uh, when they can't handle it they're utilizing integration houses when they can't but when they can they're designing their own systems having right. somebody checking your work though and having a third party I don't think is a bad idea what are some of the things though that that might get lost in, in the shuffle if, if you're not familiar let's say with immersive product and suddenly you're given something that oh this has immersive in it so how do we how do we bridge that, that lack of knowledge?
1: Well, I think the concept that he's bringing, I think it's unique. I mean, it's tough to us then as a manufacturer to make sure that, that he knows, you know, the ins and the outs, right. Working with him to make sure he has the details and the training. He's got a lot of certifications. You know, if you look at his website, uh, I think from the manufacturer standpoint, that's our responsibility to make sure he knows that stuff. What I think is unique about what he's doing, is like you were saying, there's a lot of these guys that are building the their AV integration teams within the school. I mean, that's that's really what they are. They're their own internal company. And a lot of times with those people, they don't want to talk to the manufacturer right away. They don't want to talk to the integrator right away because they're trying to figure out how to put their design together. And I respect that. And I totally understand this gives them another outside view. That's not going to be, this has to be immersive, or this has to be you know, whatever other manufacturer he might be speccing, he can help see where some of those issues are. And along with that, you know, again, help guide them to the right solution. I've had a problem cause I wired it this way. Have you thought of doing it this way? I think it's great. I think what he's doing is awesome. But again, for our standpoint, it's gonna be our job to make sure he's, and all the people that he's gonna be bringing into this, cause it's a network of people that, from what I understand. It's our job as a manufacturer to make sure everybody knows the ins and outs and how to use the system and how to set it up. I mean, that's kind of where I see the issue is if they don't, then they may pull that manufacturer out and put in somebody else.
0: Yeah. Dana, this, is, this is kind of unique, at least to me. Uh, I, I've not seen something like this. So how, as Joel said, how do you guys as manufacturers make sure that you get in there and make sure that your, uh, your, your products and your systems are, are known by these folks?
2: A lot yeah. more flights and dinners. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 a challenge because competence of partners and manufacturers are they vary right so you know what's baseline to start from and I think it's good to have somebody in there that is providing the checkpoints um, uh, that either keep us in check as manufacturers or or with the partners to help them get to the right level um, it's 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 just something that we you know we we all struggle with training our own people over time and the evolution of of your own um, sales or, or a technical structure to keep everybody aware. So having checkpoints is good. I just kind of wonder who's checking the checkpoint um, and what's what's the validation at the end when I get checked, right? Do I get a rubber stamp? What do I, do I get something I can carry forward? And I don't know a lot about this, so I'm only asking as a, not as a, a question of, of uh, validity, but just kind of what comes to my mind at first glance.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, and that's, that's why I, I brought it in is because, you know, if, if this is, again, I, I think this is new and unique. Um, Brock, you worked for an integrator for a number of years in Toronto. You've now gone out on your own. This is kind of, you know, again, Mike's going out on his own and, and expanding into a different area. This is something, though, that we've watched. I've watched you uh, over the last six months or so kind of figure out where your next step was. I, I watched Mike uh, as he was doing that. Um, we actually had a conversation just a few minutes ago with Wallace Johnson on a special we're doing. Wallace has gone out on his own. as As the... Brain trust of the industry looks at this, looks at the industry, and looks at at the the kind of the the landscape. It seems to me that there are as many folks that are saying, "You know what? I'm going to kind of do my thing right now, and I'll help you out, and I'll help you out, and I'll give you all the knowledge." Is this an era of of kind of um, not quite a renaissance man or, and woman, but an era of? where the, the folks that we all have kind of known and trust and, 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 and not just admired but also leaned on for advice, they're saying, you know what, I'm gonna use this and I'm gonna give back to the community, back to the industry in a way that not only supports my family, but also helps as many people as possible.
2: Uh, not the question I expected, Tim. Um, so the industry is consolidating And the bigger companies are getting bigger and the bigger manufacturers are getting bigger. The integrators are getting bigger. The uh, consulting firms, you know, the uh, wonderful little AV consulting firms that we've known across the continent uh, throughout our careers, they are being absorbed into huge multinational MEP firms, uh, architecture firms uh, in one case, a food service company. Um, and, and, uh, so the flip side of that consolidation is perhaps a recognition that, uh, the expertise in the industry has always resided in people, not in the badge that's on the door. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, I have an awful lot to offer as as an individual. Mike has a tremendous amount to offer as an individual. Um, uh, but we're no longer part of, of huge monolithic organizations where we can offer everything to everybody all the time. And so the choice becomes, uh, do you narrow your focus and say, this is the lay swim women, this is who I can help, and this is how I can help them. Uh, and, and I think that we're going to see a lot more of this because there are going to be a lot more people, uh, quote unquote, out on the street, um, at, not, not as a result of, but in response to or reaction to uh, some of the mer- mergers and acquisitions uh, and other commercial transactions that are going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love what Mike is doing. Um, so in the construction industry, there is a trade known as quantity surveyors. Quantity surveyors uh, take uh, take a project, or they'll work with the architectural community. And the architect uh, told the owner, "I can build this building for twenty million dollars." And uh, the owner uh, hires a quantity surveyor and says, uh, "Okay, how much is this building actually going to cost before we put it out to tender? We have a huge issue." In the AV world, of owners who have dreams this big, and end up with budgets this big, and innov- integrators get squeezed, uh, manufacturers get squeezed, and most of all, users get ripped off, because everything that we conceived of being able to deliver to the user came down to a cut in a construction budget. Yeah. Um, and you know, it may have been because the, the steel was more costly than was anticipated. Uh, it, you know, it may have been a whole nother bunch of factors. So I see Mike, um, uh, being able to, and, and whoever his team is, uh, and I'm sure his team will be top notch because he's got high standards. Um, uh, and you know, maybe he's going to bring. Uh, AQAV in, maybe he's going to, you know, some of the other standards-based organizations. But I think think there's a place uh, for an in-house integration uh, company like Joe Way operates USC to be able to go to Mike and say, okay, before I tell the powers that be that this is a $4 million project, put a second set of eyes on this and let me go to my budget chief with a real number uh, that has been validated, not by what my hopes and dreams are, mm-hmm. or how I think I'm going to squeeze, uh, you know, 10 pounds of, of AV into a five-pound bag, but you tell me how much that's going to cost. Um, some of the other validation I think that is going to happen is there. Are, there's a lot of AV designs uh, that occur two to three years prior to a project being constructed. Uh, Joel you've run into this you know for years and years and years Uh, particularly MEP people they are being motivated by delivering construction drawings uh, that match up with an architect's delivery schedule Um, and it could be way before they know what the budget is it could be way before they know what the user wants and certainly two or three years in the AV technology world is a lifetime it's a can be a whole product cycle. Okay. So uh, uh, for an owner to take their two to three-year-old uh, design that has been properly rendered and, and cabled and powered and blocked within the construction drawings, but for them to be able to deliver that to uh, Mike and his team and say, would you mind updating this before we go out to tender so that the integrators don't have to do it? And we can actually have an apples to apples uh, comparison rather than what we've been experiencing over and over, which is five different system responses because the original documentation is so far out of date. Yeah, absolutely. My two
0: cents. No, no. And it, it's a great, it's a great two cents because you, and, and not only that, but even if you do hire a consultant as, as a former tech manager here who has been a part of a, of both consultant driven and internally driven projects. You can even take that back out and say, you know, take it to his team and say, this is what the consultant has given us. Give us, you know, an, another set of eyes. It, it almost, you know, uh, checking the checkers. Right. Yeah. So, uh, all right. And I guys, like what,
1: that idea to me bring up, cause you're not taking one consultant's work necessarily to another consultant. Right. So no, right. It's, it's just a third party review. And, and yep. I think that could provide a lot of value.
0: I, I think I, so too. I, I wish that this would have happened t- 15 years ago, and, and the uh, president that I had to deal with at the time, we had that, because <clears throat> let's just say there were some projects that that did not have that and should have. So um, real quickly, guys, uh, uh, March 8th is International Women's Day, and the story we'll put a link on uh, is from our buddies over at Commercial Integrator. Uh, really, really cool seeing things happen uh, with, with the Evixa Women's Council. Um, both at ISC, uh, actually, uh, my editor Mitchell and I just came back from Chicago. Uh, we went to the women's, uh, the Women's event in Chicago uh, yesterday on, on Thursday. Real quickly though, this, there's three guys on this call. So briefly, um, and, and Joel, we'll start with you on this. How can we, uh, being the middle-aged white guys that we are, um, assist, how can we support women in the industry And further them along.
1: Well, one is, I think, in some cases, get people to know that there's even this industry, and I think that's part of the issue as well. Um, When people are looking at IT and and talking to them, say, "Hey, have you thought about this?" and and look at this in a a kind of a different light. I mean, my wife's in the industry, and so I kind of take this as you know, kind of a special heart with with Erica. You know, going to those events and you know, just talking to people and making them feel at one. I mean, one of the things that you always see with these different events, there's always these groups of people that will kind of click together. And you typically in many cases get a bunch of guys in one corner, a bunch of women into the other corner. And I'm not with the guys. I'm over talking to the women, talking to everybody else, because it's a lot, I'd like to hear some of the things that, um, that are challenges for them. So, you know, I can change it and promote that change. Uh, Some of the things, you know, is just be supportive. I mean, one of the big things of, you've been to these events, Tim, you know, the uh, VIX Women's Council, it's not just for women. No. Right. We all have an invite. And to me, that's, that's awesome. And I don't think all the guys out there know that, but going to those events and supporting and learning from the people that are, you know, the women that are out there in the industry, that's what I'm trying to do is find out what can I do to change? What can I do to promote? I have all these great ideas. They're probably a hundred percent wrong. Most of my ideas are wrong anyway, as I'm told by Tim, but besides the point, um, to me, if I'm able to actually go out there and, and find out right at the source, what I can do to be active and be proactive, I think that's what we need more people to do. Have that comfort level of stepping outside of our comfort zone to find out what we could do different, what we could change. Yeah, very good.
0: Brock, your wife is also uh, in the industry. So how, how right. do we, how do we support those?
2: Um, I'm hoping we have to do less and less support. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. Finally, we have um, a generation of people who people who grew up with the same tech. There wasn't boys tech and girls tech. It wasn't boys playing video games, girls played whatever girls played. Um, the uh, and so I think that as an industry, we're a heck of a lot more. Um, uh, accessible and interesting, uh, for people of all genders, uh, because they've all grown up with the same influences. And, and I, you know, uh, Patricia and I have an 11 year old. I look at his generation and it's spectacular. He has friends who are females. He doesn't even think about the fact that there's a gender difference. They go off to the movies, they go off and do things. Um, and so, you know some of those traditional barriers that my generation or your generation tim you know might have had where um where people were role cast and stereotyped uh by their parents by their educators uh i think some of those you know some of those things are breaking down i i will say that um in the audiovisual industry, or a whole bunch of others, I think women have, from a sales perspective, a huge advantage uh, over most of us guys, um, and uh, and that involves listening skills, and it involves empathy, um, and uh, and uh, some more innate uh, ability to connect on a personal level. Um, and you know, my wife is a tremendously successful salesperson. Um, I, uh, uh is, uh, is that the kind of role, Joel, that you're, that Eric is in as well?
1: Uh, Eric is a training manager, so she's oh, in a training role and even she's better in front of people yeah. on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. All right. Danny, so I, was... I think one of the things that kind of what Brox is saying, and maybe I'm, you know, stepping outside, but the biggest thing is don't treat people differently. It doesn't matter. I mean, and if, and if we can start doing that alone, or if I learn how I'm treating someone differently because somebody brings it to my attention, that's, what's important to me. And that's why I go into those things. I think it's important for everybody. We just got to stop treating everybody differently. And I'm actually seeing that change over the last few years. I have to say I've been very impressed with, you don't see some of the traditional old, you know, bunch of guys hanging around and making these comments. I don't hear that almost anywhere I go anymore. And I really appreciate that. Um, And everybody's treated the same. It doesn't matter who you are, what you are. They're a person doing a job and Correct. That's the first thing everybody needs to do is, is go that route.
0: Absolutely. All right, Dan, the last word on this, how do we support the women in, the, in, our, in, our, in our industry and get more in them?
3: I think like Joe mentioned, it's, you know, the excitement to be in the industry is one part of it is to stimulate an outreach. And I know we're doing that in our, in our industry, but maybe more of that outreach out. I think we have a generation coming in of, of women who are built around technology and that's where we are obviously in. And that's going to change behavior and interest to come into our space too. So I think just by by default, the tools that they lived and grew up with are going to generate some spawning of, uh, I want to be in that space and how we outreach and create excitement to there. I also think in our hiring process, not only hiring to bring women in, but also hiring people who embrace that idea too, right? I've always had a policy in a company which has uh, no jerks allowed kind of scenario because we get one jerk, they end up being two jerks and then five jerks, right? There's another another word for that, but we'll do, not do that here. Um, so I think there's that side of it, too, is that we, on the other side, we hire properly to embrace that, to Joel's point, too, is that I've been surrounded by women my entire career in this space, not as many as I would like because of that reason that Brock brought up. But uh, uh, it's, it's, it is a circle of life that we have to embrace, both on exciting them and bringing them in, embracing them, but also making sure we don't hire the jerks that stop that.
0: I like that. That would be a hmm. good place to stop. All right, gentlemen, thank you all so much. Mr. Joel Carroll um, from Immersive. Thank you, sir.
1: Thank you, Tim. It's good having me. Uh, good having me. It's good being here with you, Tim. <laughs> thank you for having me as well. How do uh,
0: people get a hold of your wife if they'd like to get a hold of, of Erica?
1: Uh, so to get in touch with Erica, there's a few different ways, uh, but one of them is Carroll at lona.com uh, if you want to get in touch with her. Uh, myself, if you want to get in touch with me, it's Jay Carroll. J C A R R O L L at <laughs> uh,
0: And I, I was somewhat giving him a hard time, but she's also Erica's doing some really great stuff with uh, training outside of Lona, She has an
1: organization called Lava Correct. Yeah. Lava Revolution is something that she's actually um, re-energizing and starting again uh, okay. here in the next you know month or so we're gonna be seeing. So check that out. It's pretty cool. No,
0: absolutely. If yeah, you I believe it's on Facebook as well. So you can it that is correct. All
2: right, Mr. McGinnis, how do people get a hold of you, sir? Uh, I'm on the Twitter at Brock McGinnis, uh, where you can find me fairly regularly. And uh, my email address these days is Brock at Avitas, A-V-I-T-A-S.com.
0: Very good. And Mr. Dana, I appreciate it, sir. How many people got a hold of you or AvaCore?
3: Uh, I'm not on the social too much. I'm on LinkedIn if you're on there once but uh, you can find me that way. Um, and then my email address is Dana.Corey at com.
0: All right, very good. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, one story that's not really, uh, you, know, you guys can comment if you'd like, but our buddy uh, Luke Jordan and his family at Electric Acoustics, uh, they were awarded the 2020 Grand Fort Award uh, at uh, the uh, Chamber of Commerce and, and the Mayor of Fort Worth's uh, annual address, uh, This actually this, this past week. Uh, so it is the we used to be called the the small business of the year award, but now it's it's called something else. But so basically, the the folks over at Electroacoustics Acoustics and the, and the Jordans uh, got nicely awarded last week, and I wanted to say congratulations to them. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, don't uh, follow me on the Twitters. Uh, I mentioned the blues; they will are, are still playing hockey. Apparently, football is going on in St. Louis. I'm not aware of it, but uh, it, it's something called the XFL somewhat tongue-in-cheek. I, I, I'm old enough to remember the first time the XFL tried something, so we'll see. Uh, but go by the website, if you would, please, aviation.tv. That's avianation.tv. You will find this program and a host of others. A couple of programming notes happening. Um, we are actually going to be producing a special on the coronavirus and the impacts it's having on the uh, live staging and events um, uh, industry and live staging and events folks uh, actually will be posting uh, shortly after AV Week post. Uh, we've already recorded that. Some really good advice, some really good uh, um, insight from uh, Tom Stimson and, and um, Lindsey um, Martin Bilberry and everybody, uh, Wallace Johnson. So check for that on Monday. Uh, also, we're going to be heading out and about, uh, assuming that those events still happen. Uh, Mr. Matt Scott will be at Digital Signage Expo DSC 2020 uh, in Vegas. I will be hanging out with the Almo E4 folks in D.C. Their uh, event did get canceled uh, this coming week uh, because the state of California issued a state of emergency because of said coronavirus. So not going to Santa Clara, but uh, we are headed to D.C. so you can catch us there. So all that and more at avianation.tv. avianation.tv, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week. I can have Mitchell slides, you know, uh, edit you in if you want. I can. Just, no, you know, no, not at all. Not at all. You guys keep going. But or Dana no. can, Dana can mouth it and yeah. then you could say it. And then I can have Mitchell put that in. He's very right. talented. Yes. I love a it. He's Very talented. Editor. <laughs> all right. If you ever meet Mitchell, you'll have to you know, tell him myself. Well, I'm recording now, so.